But these three girls decided to 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 really literally take up arms against the Nazi occupier uh, because they believed in justice and a livable world, and their their moral compass was so strong that they they saw this as the only possibility. So they. Uh, as as some of the very few women uh, globally, they they joined the armed resistance. Welcome to <laughs> Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are making their mark on the world and contributing to the common good. Making your mark big or small is creating a legacy, and it's one of the proven ways we can age with vibrance and energy. The Zestful Aging Podcast is my legacy. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our lovely music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on Zestful Aging. Find out more about her on judybanker.com. And to find out more about this podcast, my web courses, and other offerings, hop on over to zestfulaging.com. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, I've got my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side. So let's begin. We have a fantastic interview for you today. I've been thinking a lot about resistance to oppression in its many forms and across the generations. Yesterday, I interviewed Rita Dragonette about protesting the Vietnam War as a woman. And I listened to Obama's, Obama eulogize John Lewis, highlighting the courage and absolute determination necessary to speak out against injustice. And what a treat to hear Obama's words. Today, we're going to hear another absolutely incredible story of courage in the fight against oppression and injustice, and it was carried out by teenage girls, and this is a story I promise you will never forget. We'll be speaking with Sophie Poldermans, who is the author of the best-selling book, Seducing and Killing Nazis, Hani Plus and Freddie, Dutch resistance heroines of World War II. And she personally knew both Truce and Freddie of the book for 20 years and worked closely with them for over a decade as a board member of the National Hanischaft Foundation. Holdermans is the founder of Sophie's Women of War, shedding light on the role of women in conflict. And she's also a Dutch women's rights advocate, author, public speaker, lecturer, and consultant on women and war, human, and women's rights-related issues, and women's leadership. Welcome to the show, Sophie. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you on. We just had some 
really tricky tech problems. So yay for us for persevering. And um, <laughs> I, uh, it, it, I hope it is well worth it for people um, to hear this story is just, it's something that stays with you. Once you know it, it's like you can't forget it. Um, can you just give a little synopsis of your book for people who don't know the story of these three incredible women? Um, yes, of course. Well, um, it's a, a true story on three Dutch resistance heroines, Hannes Hoft, uh, who was 19 at the beginning of World War II, uh, and the sisters Trish and Freddy Overstegen. Uh, and Trish was 16 and Freddy only 14 at the beginning of World War II. Uh, so they were teenagers, uh, growing up, uh, just doing teenage uh, things and then all of a sudden the Netherlands were occupied by uh, the Nazis and they were faced with the question what to do uh, to adapt or to resist um, which is a quite a, a heavy question especially if you're so young mm -hmm. uh, but these three girls uh, decided um, to 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 really literally take up arms against the Nazi occupier uh, because they believed in justice and a livable world and their their moral compass was so strong that they they saw this as the only possibility so they uh, as as some of the very few women uh, globally they uh, they joined the armed resistance mm -hmm. it you know I, I as i was reading the book of course, you're thinking like, what would I do? And what, you know, how was it for them? And how did they make these decisions? And you outline the fact that their, their upbringing was very much rooted in fighting for uh, justice. Is, can yeah. you talk a little bit more about how they came to be? And of course, they each had different, well, the two sisters and then, and then Hani, but how does one become a teenager who has the determination and wherewithal and belief to put herself in harm's way like this? How do we become that kind of girl? Uh, very, very uh, good question. Um, well, Honey came uh, from a very uh, intellectual family uh, where they really talked about politics and, uh, uh, of course, uh, then, then the Nazis and then uh, World War II and uh, the occupation. Um, and, well, Honey was already from an early age, uh, really, she, she really believed in justice and, and already in high school she, she wrote a, a thesis on Mussolini and um, his invasion in, uh, well, well, nowadays Ethiopia. Um, so already, uh, yeah, she, she had these very strong beliefs and then she uh, decided to go to law school in, in Amsterdam and she, she had the dream of working for the um, uh, League of Nations, the predecessor of the, the United Nations as we know them uh, nowadays, in Geneva. So already <laughs> she was shaped by her, by her family, by her parents. Um, they always talked about politics and, and uh, all the injustices that were going on in the world. You know, um, and then, 
Yeah. Well, well, what I find, like, there's this, and I know, I mean, you've lived with this story, and you know, and have known these women for, for since high school, and we'll talk about that. But this is where I get a little bit stuck, and and maybe you can help me as a psychotherapist. (laughs) I'm trying to imagine having the ideals, having the beliefs, which many of us have. Uh, here in uh, in the states and all across the world, for example, f- uh, protesting for and with Black Lives Matter, for example, or other uh, justice causes that we do what we can. But there's a long way to go from protesting <laughs> to luring a high-ranking Nazi and. Uh, what was the word, not incinerating, what was the word that was used is a euphemism? They would liquidate Liquidate them. them. Well, yeah. Liquidate. It's a nice word for that's killing, a, yeah. Yeah, that's a, a <laughs> weird word. So they liquidated them. These are teenagers, and they lured them in the woods, and they shot these soldiers to death. How do we get from belief and, and, and you know, really understanding and wanting to help to the point where now we are shooting people um, to protect justice. True. Um, Of course, it's extremely hard to imagine uh, in in peacetime. Uh, But if there's really a a war going on, Thank God I cannot really imagine it myself, but that's what I've uh, heard from from the the first-hand witnesses that I talked to. Uh, If you have an an occupier there, uh, there is no gray, basically. It's either, uh, it's very black and white. So you're either in favor uh, or you are against the occupier. Uh, And of course, I mean, most people were against the occupier and a lot of people just, uh, chose to to live their lives uh, to continue their lives uh, as normal as possible, mm-hmm. maybe because they were afraid, uh, and there were only very only five percent of the Dutch population actually joined the resistance, um, and of that only a very small percentage the armed resi- resistance, and of that group only literally a handful of women. Uh, but I think it's really the circumstances of war and then this extreme drive um, to really act against it. Um, and, well, yeah, they, of course, this, this what they, they started out small. They, they start, uh, all three girls started out with uh, stealing identification papers for, for Jewish people in hiding. Um, and they, uh, and then the, these papers would be forged by the resistance. Um, or they would try to, to bring Jewish children from one safe house to another. Um, so it, it, it was a gradual scale. They didn't start shooting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have the, have their gun in their, in their pocketbook. Yes. Right. Right. And, yeah. and dye yeah. their hair and, and do this. So you, uh, became quite close with two of these women. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> what was that like for you, Sophie, as you got hooked on, interested, drawn in by this story when you were a high school student writing a high mm-hmm. school report 
and things never were the same. True, true. Um, well, Hanis Hoft is very famous in uh, in Holland. She's an icon like like Anne Frank. Uh, she's mm. the symbol for uh, female Dutch resistance. Um, and uh, so when I had to write a, 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 a history research project uh, on a self-chosen topic, for me that was obvious, Hanis Hoft, because uh, I grew up in the same city, um, thank God, under completely different circumstances. Uh, and I was always fascinated by wars and um, and the fact that people are, are capable of committing horrible crimes. I mean, this must also be of interest for you as a psychologist. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I, I was familiar with Hanni Schaff's story and I really tried to pose myself the question, okay, what would I have done if I were in her shoes? That really made me dive into her life story even deeper. Um, and through uh, a friend of my father's, I, uh, I discovered Drew's contact details and I called her up for an interview um, and she was so kind to invite me over. And a, a special bond uh, grew from there. Um, and yeah, I, I was uh, completely fascinated by, by Trist and she was so extremely down to earth uh, she could easily have been my grandmother, <laughs> so it was really this, um, but such strong beliefs that I thought, wow, these are uh, women with such a, a strong moral compass. I really want to learn more about that. And so Therese inter also introduced me to to Freddie, her sister. Mm -hmm. mm. And uh, you never would have imagined I'm guessing that you would have written a paper you were interested and in, that this would have <laughs> shaped your entire life and career yes um, no of course I had no idea when I was 16 that uh, now at almost 40 I, I would still be talking about these women um, but yeah, I was uh, so, this, like you said, this really shaped me. It's, it's become a red thread through my, whole, my own life and made me decide to go to law school and study international law a little bit in Hans Ischoff's footsteps uh, and really focusing on, uh, on women's rights. Uh, and yeah, because I, I knew Freddy uh, and, and, and Trus for, for over 20 years, uh, I had so much time to talk to them, and and when I was a teenager, I really saw the 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 hero part, the heroine part. Mm -hmm. uh, but later on in life, I thought, oh, these are also just or well, not ordinary women, but human beings who were um, struggling with the fact that they were taking lives. They had depressions afterward. Uh, they had they were suffering from PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, so I also in this book wanted to to highlight that side that they were human and uh, that they were hunted by that for the rest of their lives. And they sacrificed. I mean, this was not just something that they did then, right? To put themselves in harm's way. And Hani, of course, was executed. Um, but it's not something to, you know, oh, they did that, that's great. I mean, it they sacrificed some of their own mental health for the rest of their lives. 
Yes, uh, and right after the war, they were not recognized as uh, resistance fighters at all. Um, they really had to fight for recognition, um, and that was partially because the resistance group that they belonged to, uh, the Council of Resistance, um, had uh, some communist members. So especially in the Cold War, that was uh, yeah something that people didn't talk about and uh, really wanted to downplay the, the role of, of uh, the communist resistance. Mm -hmm. um, and that went, went even so far that both sisters were, were actually shot at uh, in 1951. So after the war, they, they, they gave everything. Uh, for for their uh, their country, and then after the war, um, they were still at danger, uh, in danger. Luckily, they were unharmed, but yeah, also mentally, that was extremely tough for them. Uh, and especially, Freddie was very uh, fierce about the fact that uh, women resistance fighters were not recognized as as such, or mm -hmm. uh, not the same as as the the male ones. Mm -hmm. And now um, I saw the photos in the book of you being at the wreath-laying ceremonies. And is this an annual ceremony? Yes, yes, that's correct. Um, every uh, last Sunday uh, of November, um, there is uh, an annual commemoration service organized by the uh, the Dutch National uh, Hanischaft Foundation. Um, and the reason why it's in November is because uh, Hanischaft, who was executed uh, three weeks before the end of the war, so very tragic, so close to the end. Uh, she was reburied on November 27, mm -hmm. 1945. So with the Queen and uh, at the honorary uh, cemetery. So that's why this date is still there to commemorate her. And and now after the war, um, did you talk to the women about they and Frank and the legacy she left? How what part did that play after the diary was published? Um, yes, of course. Um, uh, well, and of course there. Two completely different uh, stories because uh -huh. Anne Frank is really a story of survival, whereas this was uh, a resistance uh, story. Uh -huh. But yeah, I mean, Anne Frank and girls and uh, people like uh, Anne Frank were the reason why um, these three women decided to take up arms because they did not tolerate any uh, injustice toward Jewish people. Or, uh, or any of the other um, enemies of the, the Nazi regime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was just thinking that they were traveling in the same neighborhoods. Is that is that accurate, Sophie? That they were in the same area. Um, not not well. Uh, roughly, yes, to for mm -hmm. American standards, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but there are <laughs> different cities. Different part, I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and Frank was really in the center of Amsterdam, and Harlem uh, is a city close to Amsterdam. It's twelve miles west. So I it's, see. it's a really separate separate city. So they they wouldn't. Uh, they wouldn't have crossed paths. No, no, no. Uh, on these. Uh, Hannes Hoff did study in Amsterdam, also in the center. Um, so yeah, maybe, maybe, who knows? They and we know, and there must have been center. many, many stories that 
Yes. Some we yeah, know, yeah. some we don't of hiding and resistance uh, that have not come Exactly. Through. Yes, yes. Yeah. Right. Hello, everyone. I wanted to tell you about a product I've been using lately for aches and pains that's really helped me, and I've been singing it from the rooftops. Some of you may already have discovered the benefits of using CBD. I have found it to be a game changer for my creaky joints. I'm a tennis player, and I have three dogs, and being active is really important to me, and we know how important it is in aging well well. But at age 59, my joints can be a bit stiff, uh, especially in my knees. And this stuff has really helped. So I don't have to wear a knee brace anymore, which really wasn't such a good look. I've done my research and it's very important to get the highest quality ingredients. There's a lot of junk on the market. So you have to make sure the product is tested by a third party lab at the very least. My favorite company is called Pros, P-R-O-Z-E, and they have several products that are formulated for specific problems, including sleep and mental focus. Uh, lately, I've been using the performance gum called Yippies and the Nods, which helps me sleep and tastes very cinnamony. If you go to their website, pros.com, and enter the coupon code ZESTFUL, you're going to get 15% off. I highly recommend trying it out. I think you're really going to be surprised how effective it is, and I would love some feedback from you on how it works. Again, the website pros, P-R-O-Z-E dot com. Coupon code is zestful. Thank you. Now back to the show. So I'm wondering how it's been for you to know the story so intimately and, and be so drawn in by it travel the footsteps of some of these women. Has that been difficult for you to, to have this intimate knowledge of what happened in your country? Is that something that you've had to reckon with as a, as a woman and as a, as uh, a Dutch woman? Yes, well, of course, I mean, it, it did shape me uh, and it made me choose my career path uh, toward international criminal law. So really war crimes. Um, so I not only focused on World War II, but I also uh, did research in, in the former Yugoslavia, in Bosnia and Kosovo um, and Rwanda. Uh, in the post-genocide uh, Rwanda. So, yeah, it, it definitely shaped me. Um, and but it also really made me who I am and, and made my moral compass uh, even stronger. So, uh, yes, but and of course, very intimate uh, as well, because uh, I'm, I'm still in touch with um, the families of uh, and, uh, Freddie, both passed away, uh, but I'm still in touch with uh, with their children. Mm. Um, and sometimes it's, it's, uh, especially Freddie never really talked about the war with her children. So, um, it's, it's, um, I don't really have the words for it, but it's, it's really weird that, 
uh, I know uh, more of their uh, their their mother's resistance work than than her own children. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, there's more distance, um, so they were probably uh, yeah more open to me with uh, sharing their mm-hmm. stories, uh, sure. especially Freddie. Uh, but but still, yeah, it's it's a weird weird position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you keep your your own sanity? having such detailed examples of war crimes and and working on them and thinking about them and knowing more than most of us know or want to know how do you keep yourself healthy <laughs> um well it's very important uh to make sure that that uh, that you, you keep distance so uh for a while i also um uh, worked at the the Yugoslav court the, for the former Yugoslavia, and I read these incredible witness witness statements on torture and the, and the most horrible crimes, um, and also doing the research in Rwanda. Um, uh, you really need to to take some time to digest, like what. Did I really read this? Did I really see this? Mm. Is this really what people told me? Um, and I really try to to focus on on the the positive. What what can I do with this information? And how can I make sure that this will never again okay happen again? Of course, I'm not that naive. That I know that there's always going to be wars. Uh, but I think from these individual stories, we can. Uh, we can really derive lessons for for our own life, translate them into our own lives. Uh, and and if you because it doesn't start with uh, World War II didn't start with gas chambers. It, it starts with discrimination, exclusion. And if we are aware of those signals, we can uh, really respond rather rather than react. So I think it's very important that we. Uh, know these stories, <laughs> pass them on, and can learn from it. And so when you see um, the number of hate crimes, for example, increasing in the U.S., and I can't speak for Europe, but certainly there's plenty of people there. Similar trends, yeah. Similar trends, neo-Nazi. How do you respond to that? Um yeah um uh, well uh, also neo nazi uh, to to give you an example here in the the beginning of may um fourth of may is always our commemoration uh day uh, annually and fifth of may is our liberation day uh and um Around these days, I was uh, uh, taking a walk in the Haarlemmer Hout, which is the city forest of Haarlem. And that, that is where these three honey, uh, three girls, Honey Schaft and Tris and Freddy Oversteven, um, would uh, kill their, uh, their Nazi targets. But it's very close to my house, so I often uh, go there for a walk. Uh, and um, at one of these uh, spots, uh, there was actually uh, a swastika painted uh, in, in early May, and I was so shocked because you know I always go there like, thank God it's been uh, so long uh, since World War Two, and now I was so shocked. I was like, no, so I called the police and uh, anti-discrimination uh, uh, group to report it, and uh, it was erased, but. Uh, you know, it, it 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 really got to me, and I thought, wow, this is getting so close, and people are 
tattooing swastikas on their arms and they have no idea uh, of the meaning uh, when I was growing up that that wouldn't have happened but now it um, or at least not <laughs> in this sense of course there would be other uh, extreme uh, outlets but uh, yeah I was shocked uh, but at the same time very motivated to continue this fight <laughs> for justice uh, yes so it also it always made my eyes stronger oh, I see I see it seems <laughs> to me you can really focus on the strength of the resistance and as you say the moral compass or you could dwell on how horrific the tragedies were you know that have tra being very intentional about i'm going to focus on this part would be important otherwise you would never want to get out of bed in the morning no 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 because these are horrible stories um and uh well war crimes are happening every day uh, and hate crimes uh, exclusion discrimination uh but also we we do see that if there if people are aware if there is some education some knowledge um that there change takes time but with the black lives matter uh, movement for example you do see that there is change people are uh, willing to uh to say okay so there is maybe there might be structural racism in society and we we need to do something about that so yeah that's always what i hang on to you have you been elements. <laughs> have you been heartened by the black lives matter protests in the united states is that something that makes you feel hopeful Yes, uh, I mean, uh, of course, shocked that it's uh, on, on uh, this systematic and this widespread, um, or not maybe not entirely shocked, but we have we have the same thing here here in Europe. But it's good to have it all out in the open, and then if you put all the facts next to each other, it's like, oh, this is really horrible. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, people are uh, willing to protest, are willing to to stand up for each other, um, so are human and are uh, compassionate um, and yeah t together we can so yes it does give me uh, hope but it, it takes it always takes time mm -hmm. so for those of our uh, listeners or audience all over the world and hearing us and hearing you talk about these incredible women who are in one way ordinary, in another way extraordinary. What can ordinary people do to stand up to injustice? Just sort of us regular folks who um, probably won't be like Hani um, for many, many reasons, but where do we start? Uh, well, if you if you see that uh, discrimination, exclusion, bullying already starts in kindergarten, <laughs> um, if if you really learn uh, that we are we of course we're not equal, but you should treat people uh, equally. Um, if you start with that from a very early age, um, just just take it small, translate it to your own world. If you see that their kid is being bullied, um, uh, stand up for the kid. Uh, or if, if there's a group of people, make sure that, uh, that 
I don't know, you group together with, uh, or that you take leadership and uh, get the, get a group together to to um, speak out against injustice or at the work. Uh, on the work floor, uh, I'm glad with, with the Me Too movement that um, sexual harassment is out in the open. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, by naming, blaming, shaming, uh, you, you can start out with little things mm-hmm. and translate it to your own world. And that's already, you can make such a big difference. Oh, that's really helpful because I think many of us would say, you know, we, we read your book and say, oh my goodness, it's just incredible incredible story but then you know you say wow like would I do that I don't know it's so it's impossible to imagine and then you know maybe okay I'm never gonna be like these women but I want to do something right I don't want to just read about it or think about it I want to do something what's you know what's that first step so it's really helpful to talk about the small steps in your, you know, in your world, in your, your daily life. Um, I think people, of course, are going to want to hear more. I'm surprised this hasn't been a film. Has that something, uh, has that been talked about at all, uh, making this into uh, a film? Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> you're, not the first, you're not the first to ask. Um, yes, I sold the, the film rights, but I'm not uh, able to um, to disclose to whom. Ah, so stay, t- oh. stay tuned. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited to hear that. What a story. Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm trying to imagine who would be the great actresses who could play these women. Oh, now I'm going to think about this. Oh, do you have any sense of when it's going to be? Uh, when we can find out more, uh, is that something no, that no. announced? No, no, no. I'm sorry, I, I can't. You're not giving anything, anything up, Sophie. <laughs> no, okay. Sorry. You're sworn to secrecy. Uh, so, secrecy, yeah, but that's for the best. Uh, but uh, yeah, well, you'll have something oh, to, to look so, forward to. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, so I want people to know where to find you. I know you have spoken all over the world and I'm sure you're not traveling now, but I know you're giving, uh, uh, lectures and trainings. Talk to, talk to us about where's the best place to find you to find out more about this amazing story. Yeah, so to, to learn more uh, about uh, my work, um, you can uh, go to uh, what the website sophieswomenofwar.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there's also more information in the book, but there's also a separate book website, uh, mm-hmm. seducingandkillingnazis.com, okay. Okay. where you can find uh, the book, but you can also find it uh, through Amazon and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's other retailers good and it's enjoyed some real success i mean that title it just makes you want to look at it uh, immediately <laughs> it's it's it, it, yeah it's truly i mean i you know we talked about this before my um my family my father's family is from munich and my grandmother had a little store in munich and of course you know the bombing caused a lot of flooding she told stories of having to you know, bilge out the basement because, of course, the water lines break. But she told stories of hiding American soldiers who had been shot down 
in her wine cellar. So I grew yeah. up, you know, knowing these stories and um, being fascinated as a child by the story of Anne Frank, as many, many, many women and girls were. But when I was in middle school, we saw the film and the actress and I looked uh, somewhat similar. So at that <laughs> point, I was like completely uh, just taken it, uh, so absorbed with the family, uh, the, the story, and just felt such a, um, a sort of an interest. And, you know, it was also life shaping for me as well. And then um, as an older adult, um, having the opportunity to visit a concentration camp and really um, see for myself, you know, the remains yeah. of what that looked like. It's, it, it's life-changing. You can't leave that experience and just go and get a coffee and it's fine. You know, no, you no. It's uh, when you go and you see the troughs where people, you know, were executed and um, there's, there's no way to forget that. No, but extremely important to, to carry that with you and yeah. to pass on the, the story. Yeah. Yes. Sophie, thank you so much for being with us today through all the tech problems. We made it through. You're a tenacious woman, as uh, we can see in many ways. So appreciate your work. And um, I'm, I, I think people will really want to hear more and read more about these magnificent women. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. Uh, it was really a pleasure to be here. Hey everyone, I wanted to tell you about a powerful new tool that supports your mental and emotional health in what are extremely trying times. And you may remember that I've been a psychotherapist for 30 years, and I'm always a little suspicious of products that claim to help us feel less anxious, depressed, or worried. But then I was introduced to a new kind of app called Cope Notes, and I have become a big fan. Cope Notes was developed by a guy who spent a lot of his life trying to figure out what might help support him through his own weekly psychotherapy sessions. Cope Notes is an app that gives you random texts through the day to break through some of the negative messages that might be repeating in your head. It's well-researched and has been a adopted by many mental health facilities. I highly recommend it. I think we can all use a little support right now. So check out copenotes.com forward slash zestful. I will receive a small portion of those proceeds. Um, and I'd love to hear your feedback about how it works for you. Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. 
But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And too much stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. Uh, We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.